Right. Hello and welcome to the Stories with Sash podcast. You join me for another episode and I'm actually joined this time by yet another guest uh, who's a chap that I've known for a few years now and I met on the Mongol rally. His name is Adam Smith and he is actually a motoring journalist. So probably the most motoring related person I've had on the channel and somebody who in theory should know about their cars. Um, so welcome, Adam. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Sash. Thank you. It's good to, good to be on. Yes, I know it's, um, it's been a while uh, since really we've, um, we've had an in-depth car chat. I know I do tend to comment on, um, well, we comment on each other's stories, particularly when there's cars on it and stuff like that. And, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, that's, the, that's, that's the way for it. So um, just how have you been? Everything good? Yeah, all good, thanks, man. So it's um, yeah, a bit of a strange year, really. It is. Um, so especially, well, especially considering normally I'd be sort of out driving, driving lots of lovely new cars, but we've been been a bit steady this year with regards to launches and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, I was supposed to be doing Mongol Rally again this year as well, mm-hmm. um, which has sadly been cancelled. So um, we'll see what next year brings, I suppose. Yeah, I know. I mean, so that's interesting, really, because as I, as I mentioned, if we take a take a step back, so obviously we we met uh, back in twenty sixteen. Now, yeah, uh, been, yeah. which is when 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 we both uh, both did sort of did partake in the rally, and um, so I mean, just for the viewers, obviously who don't know, obviously you, I mean people people often come to me and say you're you're big into your cars, and I was like, yeah, I mean I I have a strong interest in cars and like playing around and messing around and doing. Sh- that but really when they say that to me i want to refer them to you because (laughs) when it comes to cars people have said over the years that i've had some interesting collection of tat um (laughs) but um i i really think my car history is 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 in comparison minuscule compared to compared to yours i mean for instance, how many cars do you think you've owned? Do you have a record of it? Would it would be, I do somewhere. Um, I think it, around approaching 40, I reckon. 40 cars. <laughs> You're the same age. How old are 26. you? Now? You're the same age as me? 26. Okay, so just a little bit older than me. But 26 and you've owned 40 cars. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty incredible. And you're actually... Well, we're actually recording this podcast in. Well, you're you're in one of your I cars, am. which is a in my uh, Mark II MX Five. Um, the Ooh, good a, choice, a staple choice. choice of any of any um, well poorly paid motoring journalist, really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are great cars. I mean, I I I remember messaging you a few months back because I did actually very briefly own one. Sadly, sadly, no longer um, because of covid i don't want to mention it for for too uh, too many times but um yeah so i had to sadly get rid of it but the the mx5 is a is a great oh, car uh, absolutely uh, fantastic this is my my fourth one now i think i was gonna say it's not your first rodeo no it, is it? no um, um this thank, uh, is, thankfully is, is it always been mark twos? it's always been mark twos i've always so here's a controversial opinion straight off the bat um i'm not a big fan of pop-up headlights Wow! Wow! Really? I no way. I don't know. They always seem a bit ugly when they're popped up, and then the car looks a bit strange when they're popped down for me. Um, 
but I've always thought the Mark II is such a good looking car because there's elements of sort of FD RX7 and a little bit of Jag XK in there, obviously shrunken down. I just think it's a, a really mm -hmm. elegant car. You can get some, obviously with MX5s, they've always been, you know, really hot on their um, special editions. So if you find the right one, you can get some really lovely specs. So mine, for example, is my, my current one is um, what's called the Phoenix. So it was the first right. um, a limited edition run when they first facelifted it. So it comes with really nice brown leather heated seats. It's got a Torsen limited Ooh. slip diff, um, electric everything. Yeah, it's a um, really, really nice car. Yeah, I was going to say, because the one that I briefly owned was also a limited edition. Um, it was a 10-year anniversary edition, so it was oh, a bit okay. older yeah. than yours. Yeah um but um celebrating 10 years of the mx5 so it was a 99 it, it got some nice optional extras as well I had some nice wheels on it limited slip diff as well i had a six speed manual which interesting i read some stuff on the forums and i don't know whether you would agree with this but i think actually because i've driven a five speed one i actually think the five speed ones are better than the six speeds that they ever did yeah i've not i've never actually driven a six speed all mine have been five speeds um purely because of what right. i've read on forums as well um stating that yeah the five speed's the one to go for because i think the idea of the six speed is you think it's going to be a bit better on motorways um but from what i've yeah, heard which it they're, isn't. yeah they're so low geared <laughs> that it's you know it doesn't make any difference because no, i mean even it... in the five speeds as well it's it's screaming at 80 at 70 miles an hour um mm -hmm. so yeah just gotta deal with it really or just buy a big old barge like i did <laughs> well i was gonna say so obviously this isn't your only car no, you no, know, I've, um, yeah, it would be difficult. But you've got well, you've got many other cars. So what else have you got? Um, well, I've currently got a um, well, my big barge is a beautiful old Volvo nine hundred and sixty, which I um, love. Which is a oh, it's a gorgeous old boat. It really is. Um, it's back in its day, it was more expensive than sort of an equivalent five series. So there's not many of them about, mm -hmm. um, and it's got heated electric leather seats heated door mirrors it's got wipers on the headlights which i absolutely love cruise control the works and it cost me a few hundred quid wow um, and it's got a big three liter straight six and it just cruises it's wonderful wonderful car um so i'm very happy with that mm -hmm. um i've also got a 1982 triumph acclaim um that was supposed to be this year's mongol rally car Mm -hmm. um so at the minute that's sort of sat not quite sure what to do with it um i think it's probably going to get sold unfortunately right um and then my my beloved daihatsu hijet which you're familiar with yes i am very familiar with the hijet i think it's a cracking well whether you want to call it a car or a minivan i don't know i call it a car still because i think it's so small that <laughs> you know it's not it's, it's not really a van i mean it's yeah, I love that car. I think I think they're I think they're great. And you've had that for well many years. How long have you had that for? Did you buy it for um, the rally or No, I bought it before the rally. It was my everyday car. Um I bought it in twenty fifteen um right. specifically to do a, a trip around Europe with some mates. We ended up doing six thousand miles in six weeks around Europe in it. Wow. And we were like, Oh, this thing's this thing's an absolute predator, it's fantastic. And then um Mongol Rally came around the next year, and my mum actually gave us her old Suzuki Ignis. Oh, I um, remember. Yeah. Yeah. And the plan was to take that. And then I went to the, I think you, I think that's where we met actually, the Mongol Rally pre drinks. Yeah, that was in Bristol. In Bristol. Wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and I, I turned up in, in my van and everyone was like, yo, you got to take this van. I'm like, oh, maybe I should. I was worried about, about it getting beaten up, but which inevitably it did, but she survived. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the uh, we got to Kazakhstan mm-hmm. and the van was in a very bad way. Right. Um, sorry, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. No, 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 that's, that's, that's fine. We um we got to Kazakhstan and the van was in a pretty bad way, um and we had two options. Basically, we'd been severely delayed in um, Turkmenistan, and so our visas were running short for Russia. Mm-hmm. And so we could either get to the finish line through Mongolia and then have to abandon the van, right? Um, or we could drive back from where we were in Kazakhstan. And as far as I was concerned, it was my only car. I needed it to drive to work. When I got <laughs> oh, blimey. So the decision was taken to head back. And we, had to, we ended up having a really cool adventure sort of back through Western Russia, which was marvellous. Yeah. So we didn't make it to the finish line, but we still had a great time. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I mean, I, I've actually spoke about it with my uh, well, teammate, Rob, who I'm sure you remember. Because and, and, there was yeah. a lot, there was a big problem that year, wasn't there? That Obviously, they were trying to charge... Uh, you know, stupid amounts of a deposit money in Mongolia to actually get in initially, yeah. which yeah. I then think got sorted and uh, and time goes on and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it's a bit of a shame actually, because quite, quite a lot of people that I knew because of one reason or another never actually made it to Mongolia as the country, which no, is really a, sad. Yeah. Really yeah. few, quite a few finishes that year, I think. So. Yeah. It was a it was a tough one, and it seems like a fabulous place, which is why I don't um, I don't blame you by any means of uh, trying to uh, do it do it again. Um, but if I'm right in saying, sorry, going backtrack a bit, weren't you meant to be doing this year in a Lada Neva, or was it Reva? <laughs> it was a Reva. Reva, so, sorry. Yes, we bought the Reva um, purely because we could come up with the team name, the Pina Coladas. Uh, <laughs> uh, literally right. the only reason right 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 fair enough um we bought that and uh it was one of those late night ebay purchases ah we've been all and it there. turned up and it was in an absolute state this thing um it had been really hacked about by the previous owners um and so we did contemplate taking that um and then we thought Oh, it's a bit easy if, like, because we could get it running. We, uh, one of my teammates, he's got a bit of mechanical know-how. We'd have been all right, um, but we'd also seen teams doing it in larders before, and they all said the same thing: like, it's going to break down a lot, um, but it will be easy to find parts for. And we thought, well, let's find. Why don't we find something that's going to be really hard to find parts? For? <laughs> that's more in the spirit of things. <laughs> so, right, route one. An old triumph. <laughs> yes, a triumph acclaim, which, um, yeah, if I'm not insane, they, they weren't, I don't know, I don't think they're as awful as people make out no, to be. It's, it's a good car. So it was co-engineered with the, it was badge-engineered, essentially, with the Honda Ballard. I was going to say, it's got a connection with Honda, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it's a Honda engine, and, well, it's pretty much all Honda. The only thing Triumph or BL really changed was the suspension, because they said it wasn't comfortable enough. Right, um, but it's pretty much a Honda underneath, um, and it's it's. Do you know what? It's very nice to drive. To be fair, it'll sit at eighty miles an hour, no problem at all. Oh, nice! Um, 
it's 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 a top of the range sash it's a cd model so oh. it's got chrome bumpers oh yeah oh wow baby chrome, chrome bumpers, bumpers electric windows one of which works okay and the pièce de resistance turquoise ruched velour oh upholstery. beautiful oh, yes. that is uh, that is very 80s what what year is it again 82 82, 82. The, the last the last car triumph ever made was it the acclaim yeah 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 I thought it was the TR7 for some reason, but um, I maybe I, it was I, the last new car they brought out or something. Yeah, but, um, yeah. yeah. Oh I wow, the last new model, but it's um, it's the interior is fantastic. It's so eighties. I was going to say the law is very eighties, isn't it? Especially you know brown esque. <laughs> um, no, I, I have to say I don't think that that is actually a bad choice i think people made from the outset go what the hell are you doing but i know obviously from the parts perspective probably isn't going to be very easy to find stuff out there which like you say is in the spirit of things um but i don't i think that's actually a, a semi-wise choice actually because well yeah at the end of the day there's you know fewer things to go wrong on an older car um and the bits that do go wrong you can you tend to be able to bodge yourself mostly mm-hmm. um and then just sort of you know bring a few essential spares with you um you know, it's got decent ground clearance. It's 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 basically an off road. Yeah, it's basically um yeah, it's basically a Range Rover, mate. So you know, oh, it's uh, it's uh, <laughs> why why not? I mean, so how how many of you were meant to be doing? How big was your team meant to be this uh, three year? Three of three of us. Right. Of us. So um, one of the old crew, and then my little brother was going to be joining us as well. Oh, what a well, that's a that's a nice idea. To be fair, that's yeah. so. What's um. Yeah. So obviously now, due to the C word, which I won't mention, um, <laughs> it's obviously been postponed amongst many, many, many other things. Um, so what's your plans? Are you intending of doing it again next year? Um, well, we'll have to well? see, really, because um, obviously this is, you know, we don't know how long this is going to go on for. True. Um, and also just the, you know, the um, job job market in, you know, my industry, it's sort of shrunken a little bit due to this. So mm-hmm. um it's uh if I'm, i've still got a job i'd like to probably try and hold on to it for now i think so i might put it off to the future yeah um but we will this month we're doing mongol rally x yes which i've seen yeah so i uh, could can you tell us where you're planning on going or is that um, a yeah well, so basically mongol mongol rally x it's it's um a free thing that anyone can do um and basically the person that takes a picture of a tiny car in the stupidest place wins a free place on next year's rally mm-hmm. um so we're currently on the lookout for some absolute bargain chod in the form of some sort of micro or fiesta something like that um and the plan at the moment is north coast 500 but we think Ooh. that might be a little bit basic so we might we might yet pull something out of the hat and go a bit wild we'll, oh. see. we'll see what happens i'll let you nice. know nice nice no i'm intrigued uh, i have to say it's um it's a good idea that they they that they put together the adventurous the Mongol Rally X for for this year. To be fair, it'll be interesting to see what people uh, people come up with. Um, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, good 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 stuff. So you've kind of uh, alluded to already, and I mentioned right at the beginning of the podcast. So you are actually a, a motoring journalist, which is hardly surprising given your uh, interest in, in in cars and stuff like that. So tell us a little bit about. Um, just sort of highlight really what what's your how did it all come about really and, and like what's your sort of background with this sort of thing because obviously i know i imagine obviously you've been into cars since you were 
probably very little, I imagine. Oh yeah, I can't I can't ever imagine a, um, a time when I wasn't obsessed with cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was at, uh, at sixth form, as you do, going through the motions, um, chosen subjects where you have to write a lot. So I was always English was always one of my stronger subjects. Um, and then sort of looking at what to apply for a union, I had no no real idea of what I wanted to do still. And then um, one of my teachers said, oh, why not try um, journalism? I thought, that's, that's a good idea. Um, you know, I can I can write a bit. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I've always been, grew up reading Evo magazine and Top Gear magazine. I thought, oh, maybe I could, uh, maybe I could do a bit of that. And so I applied. Uh, well, actually, firstly, I went and did a, uh, a motorsport course in Swansea for a year. Yes. And then realised, no, I don't want to be doing this. I want to be writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I went to... Um, went to a uni in Surrey and studied journalism, um, and it all went from there really. Mm. So um, after after uni, did a little bit of work on a local lifestyle magazine, um, and then got then I went um, travelling for a bit, and then I came back and got an internship at a company called Carwell. Yeah, um, which I'm sure you're aware of. They do lots of drag races on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so I was there and I was sort of writing news stories and sub-editing and things like that. Um, then I went from there to Drive Tribe. Um, nice, against yeah. Against in London, um, another internship there, which was great fun. Basically got to write whatever I wanted, um, as long as I was keeping up to date with the Facebook posts, um, mm-hmm. which was great fun. Got to do some cool stuff, um, Goodwood Festival of Speed, all that good stuff. Um and then my first sort of proper full-time job was at um, Auto Express magazine, um, where right. I was a content editor, which is very much the T-boy, really. Um, right. But that was great experience, working in a proper newsroom, um, sort of learning all the tricks of the trade from the, from the big guys, really. And then um, I got my current job at um, a TV show called Auto Mundial. Um, which I yeah. which I write for, and it's yeah, it's um, good fun, good fun. A lot lot different writing for TV than it is for a magazine. I found, but yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can I can, I can imagine it being a, being a very very sort of different style and yeah and and so on. So that's um that you're not that's not in London now, is it? That's no, uh, you're Manchester. in Manchester way. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Nice, nice. No, it's just it's just I find I I just find it very interesting, and it's actually. You know, I know a lot of people who are into cars, but I know very few people that actually, um, you know, work in the car industry yeah. or you know the the journey. So in your on your on your travels with, um, you know, with all these different uh, stuff that you've been doing, have you met any any of the automotive heroes, as it were, <laughs> out there? You know, from uh, from the likes of you know, it could be I don't know, from maybe from the Top Gear scene or maybe from I don't know, left field like Fifth Gear or anything like that, sort of. Anyone from that um, people probably know. I, yeah, Drive Tribe, I met um, Richard Hammond a couple of times, which was good fun. Um, ended up doing a pub quiz with him, weirdly. Um, oh, nice. That was cool. But um, yeah, otherwise, it's sort of, you know, on launches, you you get to meet journalists that, you know, you've been reading their stuff since you're a kid, which is quite cool. Um, uh, last launch I was on, I met Dan Trent, who um, did a lot mm-hmm. of stuff for Piston Heads, which I read a lot when I was growing up. So that was very cool. But um, I find that, most of the guys tend to be, you know, sort of like me, roughly my age, getting their first steps into the industry, really. Yeah, yeah. No, I do have the utmost respect because it isn't, it isn't, it isn't an easy industry to get into by any means. And 
like you were alluding to at the beginning, obviously stuff with everything going on at the moment, I imagine it's a bit tough with the old launches and yeah, stuff absolutely, like that. Absolutely. Um, but it does mean you get to go to cool events though and cool and cool launches and yeah. stuff like that, which um which uh very well, envious mo- of speaking of which as well, which I really enjoyed. A lot of journalists don't like the motor shows. Um so it's a lot of work. Um and it tends to be largely the same sort of stuff each year. But I really enjoy them. Um and our show is we're we're big on the motor shows. We go all over the place for those. Um so it's a yeah. shame that most of them have been cancelled this week. We got one in, in January, went to Singapore. Um but then Geneva was cancelled and so were the rest of them. So. Yeah. I know it's a, it's it's a, it's a real shame, and to be honest with you, Geneva's always been one that I've wanted to go to, and I know amongst many other people who have said a lot of this this year, but I really wanted to go this year, and it got cancelled, obviously due to everything that's going on, which is a shame. Um, have been fortunate enough though that uh, I've been to the Festival of Speed and went to the Revival for the first time, Goodwood Revival last year, which I really really enjoyed actually. I'd love to go. I've never done revival. I'd really, really like to. I, I think you, I think you'd weirdly prefer it in some ways because you like kind of old tap like me, <laughs> um, and there's a lot of that there. Um, and I think last year they were celebrating the 60th anniversary of the mini. I think anyone who's um, gets the opportunity to go should definitely go. And I'm quite fortunate. My parents don't live too far from there, which is. Uh, makes it the ideal venue really yeah it's, it's a, a pretty magical place really when you go there it's really really cool it's just um the fact that i mean i remember a couple of times going there and people come from all around the world to come to it you know yeah. uh which yeah. i think is crazy and you know people you know and have it on your doorstep is or even in the uk i think it's just such a privilege um so i suppose uh well a few questions as you know a man in the industry or whatever so what does what can people like petrol heads like us expect for the future? And by that, do I mean the world is being over? Well, there's a lot of electric cars going on at the moment and other forms of uh, powertrains for cars. What does that mean in terms of the motor industry as a whole? Because I think the UK has announced that from 2035, they're going to stop selling internal combustion cars or something like that. I mean, What's your thoughts on it? Do you like electric? Are you worried? What, what, what can um, you expect? I'm, I'm not worried. I, I, I do like electric cars. Um, obviously, there's good ones and bad ones, as with anything. Um, but as an entity, I don't think um, they're a bad thing at all. And I don't think that they mean the end for internal combustion. I think there would always be, however high or low volume it is, there'll always be specialists making cars for petrol heads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's... There's, they're always going to be there. People are always going to want a, a manual gearbox and a loud engine. I mean, look at the new um, Gordon Murray car, mm-hmm. the new T50. That's um, a naturally aspirated V12 with a manual gearbox yeah. being released in the 2020s. You know, it's um, there's always going to be stuff there. And there's always going to be the old cars as well. They're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the you sort of your Hyundai's and Kia's might end up in a scrapyard, but they'll always be you know, your supercars, your hot hatches and things like that going around. So I'm not worried. Um, I think right now as well, um, focusing on the present, we're in a, a really good time for um, particularly performance cars. Yeah. And there's so so much good stuff coming out. Um, there's a lot of stuff that is a bit pointless, this pursuit of, you know, 
statistics and numbers over everything else, I think uh, is gradually starting to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people have realised that it's more about the enjoyment of the drive than the actual straight line performance. Um, but yeah, I think electric electric cars um, they are they are actually really good fun to drive. It's a it's a different kind of fun mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Um, but it's by no means the end for petrol heads. I mean, that's reassuring to know, because I imagine what electric cars or whatever, whatever powertrain we end up using in the future will kind of do what the car did to a ho- uh, to the horse, really. Because, yeah, you know, definitely. the horse was a, sort of now is like a recreational, uh, you know, thing. Uh, and hopefully I'm guessing from what you're saying is that the car could be the internal combustion engine car, like your old classics and supercars and stuff like that can be used for weekend fun or you know nice evening drives exactly. and, and stuff exactly. like that which is good to, to be fair i've had a couple of little experiences with electric cars and i do think i do like them in a weird way they're very odd i think is in obviously their power delivery um not having yeah, any gears or anything like that i think that's that's very strange but i think i do think it's the i do think it's the way forward to be fair um so i mean jumping around slightly a little bit obviously you mentioned the gordon murray car which obviously has got that huge uh fan at the uh the rear of it which i think is incredible yes, and i was yeah. reading a little bit about that and watching a lot of uh a lot of reviews because what i've noticed i don't know whether i'm just a bit behind the party but obviously when they launch new cars and stuff like that and i noticed it this week with the aston dbx um i think that's just been like you know allowed to publish everything so i've seen so many uh well presenters journalists out there and stuff like that who have all put all these videos and youtubers and stuff like that of the aston dbx is that so is that how it works normally they choose a day where you can just release a video that you may have already pre-filmed or you might have done the day before or anything like that yeah and go from there typically there's um an embargo on everything so um they'll invite you and say yeah you can drive it but you can't publish your review until this date right um doesn't have not not with everything sometimes it's 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 there's a lot of different ways of doing it sometimes it'll be yeah come and drive the car and then it'll be a case of everyone rushing to get their review out as fast as possible on the plane home um but then sometimes it's yeah you know do it this way do it that way but for us in um on our show on tv we're not so we don't have to be as up to the minute as you know the magazines and the websites do. Right. Um, for Autocar and Auto Express, you know, they're weekly magazines. They've got to get stuff out quickly, um, and their websites are huge as well. So they'll be aiming to get things out before the other does, essentially, so they can do well in the um, in the rankings on Google. But um, for us, with it being a, a TV show, there's there's not that great rush. Um, which uh, a lot of my peers are quite jealous of sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I can imagine. I can imagine. Actually, just uh, so on the subject of like cars and presses and stuff like that, what's like the most powerful car that you've either driven or been a passenger of or experienced or anything like that from, say, well, it could be from any era really, but I suppose maybe focusing more on the modern stuff really, because we've talked about a lot of supercars and hypercars out there that, are just you know they're just stats nowadays a lot of it and you know yeah. who's the most yeah. powerful who's got the most horsepower the most torque and the best top speed and so on so i'm interested to see what what your experiences are of it i think probably the most sort of shocking performance car was um the Mo- tesla model 3 
uh, performance. Absolutely, the, the you can feel your organs mm-hmm. moving as as it accelerates. Absolutely unbelievable. Wow. Um, and that's you know one example of an electric car that really is you know a petrol head friendly car if you get what I mean. Yeah. Um, the it's it's sort of addictive the way it just goes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not like not nothing like any internal combustion car I've ever been in really. Um, very impressive thing. There's there's still some build quality issues. I think it's fair to say with them, but uh, yeah, really really cool thing. I do like that car a lot. Yeah, I've 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 actually been a passenger in a Model Three. I don't know what one it was, but I know it was a good spec one. And I've 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 not driven it, but you know I've been experienced to the acceleration of the thing. And it is like you say, your organs do gen genuinely move when that thing oh, accelerates. Yeah, you genuinely have to put a lot of effort in to move your head off the headrest when it's on full track. Yeah. It's really impressive. Same with the, um, well, all the Teslas, really. The, they're, they're all the same. If you get the performance models, they're just, they just go absolutely incredible. No, I can imagine that, that, yeah, it's definitely changing the way things are going. But what, what, so what about internal combustion then? Like, what's what's been, like, the most powerful or the most absurd thing that you've maybe experienced in recent times? Um, I don't think that anything too crazy, really. I mean, the the last thing I drove that I thought this is a little bit silly was actually a little Audi RS3. Oh, right. Um, purely because that's a, it's, it's a, you know, a fairly small car. It's a golf-sized car. And it's just silly fast. It was really, really fun. It was... Um, the saloon one as well which i think is a great looking car yeah and it's got that you know really beautiful sounding five cylinder up front and there's there's no need for it an s3 is already a really fast car the rs3 is just taking taking the nick a bit really it's um i loved that that was really good fun no i i can um, imagine they they are stupidly fast i've seen a couple of them tearing around and they do sound wonderful like you say that five cylinder oh, gorgeous sound there's, gorgeous there's sound. something about five cylinder engines which it's a shame more car manufacturers that five cylinders aren't particularly popular nowadays i know they have never no. really been that popular but um five cylinders are quite rare nowadays and i think it's only really audi that uh it used to be some volvos used to have five cylinder engines yeah, as well volvos did, um most land rovers used to be five cylinders um but yeah there's uh, the old focus st that was five but that's true yeah, there's not many of them about anymore um and i think it's because it's not a particularly efficient engine in no. any any way but it's a very characterful engine and very very lovely to listen to yeah no absolutely i agree so I, I suppose kind of um, some relatively quick fire questions then for yourself. So if, if what on the subject of engines, what do you think is the best engine configuration there is out there? If you had to choose one and stick with it, you know, what would it be? I mean, I do. Lo- I do love a V8. Yeah, I do love a V8. They're just. Um, I, but then I'm also a big fan of a straight six. I think in in terms of, you know, modern performance you don't really need anything more than sort of a a big straight six bmw yeah um but it has to be a v8 really doesn't it yeah it's such a a diverse thing where you got you know it can be a big lumpy old thing or it can be you know a high revving ferrari flat plane crank Mm -hmm. there's all sorts out there um i think that's just uh, that's the configuration to go for really isn't it yeah no, I'm glad you said that. And I, I would agree with you on both cases, to be fair. Um, the straight six is a is a lovely engine. And like you say, BMWs, 
now and before like they're they're, they're just so silky creamy smooth but yeah and they can sound so good as well the nice big strokes they they can sound lovely but i i still think a v8 just sounds that little bit oh, i don't know it's something yeah. it's something about it obviously i know it depends on the v8 as well but generally speaking you can't really go wrong with a v8 in terms of of terms of, in terms of sound um okay so that's good uh, okay n- another question then so well, what powertrain configuration? So, are you rear wheel drive, front wheel drive, all wheel drive? I'm guessing I I can guess at the answer, but you know I've got to ask. Well, I I I do love a hot hatch, so I'm not against front wheel drive at all. Um, I've had a few hot hatches, and I think the the predictability of just having you know that all that torque steer and well, there's obviously the dangers of lift off oversteer, mm-hmm. which is always a thing, but I do like um, I do like the predictability of a fun little hot hatch with too much power going to the front wheels, mm-hmm. um, but generally speaking, rear wheel drive um, it has to be really. Mm-hmm. Um, as you can probably guess from my car history. Yes, um, <laughs> I, I'm actually ashamed to say that I've only ever owned, and that was the MX-5 one rear wheel drive car. Uh, oh, really sad. I'm, I mean, I, I'm glad that I've uh, I've had. To, I can say that I have um but yeah i'm a bit sad i need to need to definitely change that it's just you know for on a budget really there's only a couple of selections of choice for rear wheel drive really i think i'm right in saying i mean it's either an mx5 or a bmw yeah pretty much that is pretty Pretty much much it i mean there might be the odd one here and there but you know I, i think unless you're going for like the top tier stuff you know, you 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 sort of normal normalish cars um, are they're very rarely wheel drive. And the problem with me as well is because I like Italian cars, as as you know, <laughs> and a lot of them tend to be just front wheel drive, really, which is a bit of a shame, yeah. particularly the older yeah. stuff. I know they're trying to change it now, but um, but yeah, it's a bit sad. But actually, going back a little bit to your to your car history a bit because i think both me and you can call ourselves true petrol heads in inverted commons because we've both owned alfa romeos if i'm right in saying no i've never had an alfa well you never had an alfa i've never i've had no end of fiats um but i've ne- i've never had an alfa much I, swear, to my I swear you said you had an alfa maybe i'm confusing it didn't no, you know no ah. no ah. i've driven a few but i've never never owned one sadly Oh, do you do you intend to own one? Do you like absolutely them? A, a one a one six four or a one six six is on my list. Ah, oh, yes, they they are lovely. <laughs> oh, I had a one six six. You did, yeah, yeah. It was only the baby of the range. It was only the two liter twin spark, which is a lovely engine. I absolutely love that engine because uh, yeah. they just rev so freely and so highly as well. Um, but um, they do cost a small fortune to run um yeah everything that stereotypically goes wrong with an alpha went wrong with mine um which uh yeah it was fine for the first four months and then the remaining uh 12 months that i owned it it was just downhill from there um so um okay well that's interesting i thought you had one but so Obviously, like we mentioned at the beginning, you've had a you've had a lot of cars over the years. Um, what's I mean, is, if you can choose a favourite or a, a highlights of it, I mean, what's been like your top? I don't know, couple, two, three, five, maybe. I don't know. What's um, what's been the best things that you've ever owned? 
Well, obviously, the, my Daihatsu has to be up there. Of course. Um, longest I've ever owned a car as well. Um, yeah. In fact, about the only car I've ever had for more than... If I think it is the only car I've ever had for more than a year. No, my first car I had for a while. Um, yeah, my Daihatsu. Um, I had an Abarth 500 SS. I remember, well. yes. That's a lovely I car. I adored that car. That was a that was a lovely thing. It was perfect spec. Had a factory-fitted SS kit on. Had... Um, brakes off a of Biposto, and then it had that lovely Monza exhaust. Um, I loved that car. I drove that all over the place, all over Europe, um, despite it being horrifically uncomfortable. Um... <laughs> yeah, no surprises there from Fiat. Yeah, uh, especially sports. <laughs> um, I've had uh, quite a few Land Rovers. Um, I'm a big Land Rover man. I'm a farm boy, so I've always been brought up with Defenders. Yeah, um, and I've had so I had when I was nine. I think I bought my first one. Um, it was a 1961 Series 2. Oh, absolutely gorgeous. And this was back in the day where you could actually afford a Land Rover. Yes. Um, I paid a thousand pounds for it for a 1960 no Series 2. No way. Yeah, yeah. It had been, it was, it was originally sold to the RAF and then it had been sat on the same farm in Herefordshire for the last ah. 40 odd years. Um, when I picked it up and it had been hacked about a bit. It had a the engine from a from an old Daihatsu. Um, it had seats from a some sort of Triumph Dolomite, I think. Right. Um, and then it had a homemade dashboard because it was a, a pre A, a pre two A. It was an yeah. original series two, so it didn't really have a dashboard as such from from the factory. So the farmer had built one himself and then covered it in some very tasteful brown carpet. Oh, lovely. <laughs> and I, I love I loved that thing. Um, I was driving it to Swansea once. Oh. And it was, a, it was a short wheelbase pickup truck. So when you're going over speed bumps, the you can get the back wheels off the ground. You get air on the back. Oh, blimey. Um... And, um, it was, which was always good fun. Um, but then it happened at 50 miles an hour on the A44. And I was like, hang on a minute. Oh. What's going on here? Um, I pulled over and realised I'd run over a piece of my own chassis. Ah, right. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, it's it's interesting that you mentioned Land Rovers, actually, just to take a minute, because I'm actually meant to be doing a review on somebody I know has got a Series 3 uh, Land Rover. And I've been doing some doing my research on them, and I don't know whether you can you can tempt me out of it, but... I I have been eyeing up some Land Rovers recently. Um, probably not the early series because they're quite expensive now. It'd probably have to be a later one, like a Defender or the 90 or the 110 or whatever they I think ser- Series 3s are still the cheapest you can get, I think. Do you reckon? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, if, you get, if you're getting a cheap 90, 110 slash Defender, it's going to be a bag of bolts. Right. But you can still get a few affordable Series 3s. Right, right. That's, that's interesting. Is there any... Is it... Be honest... Is it a good idea or is it a bad idea? Oh, it's a terrific idea. Yeah, so, okay, okay, great. As long as, as, long as are you planning on using it as an everyday car? No, 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 no. no okay, no, good, no, no, yeah. No. Um, yeah, don't have one as an everyday car, really. <laughs> um, unless, unless, like me, you're a 19-year-old student who's desperate for a Land Rover. Oh, I was going to say, um... yours definitely was uh, not <laughs> maybe not the wisest thing to have as a daily, but... Uh... <laughs> Um, yeah, no, absolutely. They're, they're great fun. Um, main thing to look out for is um, the chassis, rust on the chassis and the front bulkhead. Right. Um, that's the main thing. Um, if you can go for a diesel, they tend to be a bit more expensive, um, but they just, they land over diesel engines tend to be pretty indestructible. Right. Um, and the, the petrol ones are all right as well, but they drink fuel 
really drink it. Right. Okay. No, fair enough. Sorry, I I I, I diverged slightly there, but it was only because you you mentioned an old series, and uh, yeah, that's interesting. It's just an idea at the moment, but I am I am tempted. Uh, yeah, everyone's got to have a Land Rover. Well, this is the thing. I think I think there are, and we could argue to and from. I think, but I think if you're truly into cars, I think somebody you should you should have a you should have some of the icons. I think out there just yeah, just definitely. to experience it, and again. Maybe reserve it for another time, but there is there is a there is a few that I would definitely put forward as somebody should definitely own in their in their in their petrol well in their motoring uh, collection at some point in their life. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So so you said you loved your Land Rover, uh, obviously your Daihatsu Hijet um, as the car you still got as well. What what other any any other highlights for your car collection um... or car previous cars? Panda 100 HP. That was a very fun little car. I, I was just about to bring that up when you bought the SS because I've also been tempted by one of them and they're dirt cheap. They, they're at the minute, they really are. They've, um, well, there's some that are still uh, quite expensive. The ones with low miles, yes. there seem to be a lot of uh, because it's not a long distance car. Um, they tend to be quite expensive, but I picked one up. I mean, this this says everything you really need to know about my car history. I've, I I I picked up one with one hundred and thirty thousand miles on it. Yeah, barely um, running, barely running. Um, that was ropey in every aspect. Um, and you know, it was cable tied bumpers. Bits had been hand painted, mm-hmm. etc. But it to drive, it was on the button. It was perfect. And my God, that was a fun car. And I picked that up for under a grand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was the worst one you could possibly hope to find, and it was yeah. still an absolute riot. And it only let me down once, um, and it wasn't a big deal at all. Um, yeah, no, that's, get one. That's They're great. Yeah, I think I remember when you were selling your one actually, and I was I was sort of tempted, but yeah, it was uh, that that. I... They're quite rare as well. There's not many of them about. And I think I'm right in saying no, they not. had a six-speed box in them, didn't they? They do have a six-speed box. Which, which I think is a bit odd, but... <laughs> oh, it's tremendous because obviously, uh, you know, it's a, it's a little... I, I hesitate to say hot hatch, more a tepid hatch. Yes, um, I'd agree with and, that. But that gearbox is absolutely fantastic. And in a, in a Panda, in any Panda, um, the gear stick is right next to the steering wheel, mm-hmm. which is always great. It means, you know, quick actions between the two. And it was so the the ratios were so close together. You're constantly changing gear, constantly heel and toe. Just the most fun you can have in in a super mini. I'd say it was absolutely wonderful thing. No, and cool. I think it's a real shame that that six speed box didn't get carried over into the above five hundreds. Ah, were they only five or were they, they were five? Oh, yeah, they were five speed. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think maybe uh, this could be a top tip for if anyone's actually listening to this. Um, to you know, maybe now is a good time to buy one of those hundred HPs because I think they've hit rock bottom value. I don't think you're going to get yeah. much lower in terms of value. And like you say, all of the ones, a lot of them have done like the sort of typical average mileage, which is obviously quite high now because they're getting on a bit. Um, so it's the low mileage ones that can command the price really. So if you can find a semi decent one, keep hold of it. I'd say because I don't think they're yeah, going to be losing value. Like I always think this when I, whenever I'm buying any car, I'm not too fussed about mileage. Just as long as it's been maintained, that's the main thing. Um, True. Service history is the key. Yeah, um, and you know, as mine was, yeah, it was a bit rough around the edges, but mechanically it was tip top, and it was yeah. it was fantastic. 
No, I, I, I'd agree, to be fair. There's a lot of people that are quite timid about mileage, and I think it tends to be the people that aren't so, I suppose, interested in cars. and think, oh, God, yeah, that's that's above 100,000. Oh, that's on its last yeah. legs. Yeah. Whereas me, I yeah. think anything, you know, 100,000, I think, yeah, that's not too bad, actually. That's all right. That's pretty decent. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> if it's been looked after, then it's nothing to worry about. My Volvo has nearly 160,000 miles on it now. Mm. Um, still going strong. I've had a a Land Rover with 200,000 miles on it. Yeah. Um, I had a, a, when I was in America, I had a Dodge Caravan, which is a hideous oh, car. Yes, I remember that. Um, with, I mean, it was in kilometres. It was on 330,000 kilometres because it was a Canadian spec. So, um, so I'm yeah. not quite sure what that translates to, but it was a lot and it was still fine. Yeah. Yeah, like you say, it's all about how they're how they're maintained. Really, I think that's 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 exactly. the main top top tips right there. Uh, you know, um, so yeah, so you, so obviously Fiat's a fe- uh, featuring quite strong in your favourites uh, car list. Really, well, you've had yeah, two of them so love far. Fiat. Uh, anything love else Fiat. in particular, or was I sort of in the highlights? I suppose from what you can remember, anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'll reel off a few interesting ones. Um, Triumph Toledo, um, that was cool. That's 1965 Beetle. Oh, nice. Um, what else? Austin 1100. Wow. Um, yeah, a few bits and pieces. A few, uh, when I when I started out driving, I was big into the old VWs, so I had a few old uh... 80s VWs and things. Um, yeah, all sorts of weird and wonderful things, really. Yeah, I was going to say my brother's big into VWs. He's last year bought. Um... Uh, Mark II Golf, not a GTI or anything. Nice. Just a 1.6 driver, but it's got the Mark. It's got the GTI big bumpers on it. Um, and, okay, yeah, yeah. And it's got the put BBS alloys on it, and it actually looks really good. It's it's not in mint condition by any means. It's in faded red, but I think they look so cool. Look proper oh, it's retro. Great looking car, the Mark. II. Yeah, yeah. Like my, my first car was a Mark II Polo, which was very much sort of a scaled down Golf. Yeah. Um, it was the bread van as well, and you know, it's just such a a, a re- an of its time car it looks so period correct it's um you know it was the car to the car to have at the time wasn't it a golf so. yeah yeah i mean you know people always regard the golf as like you know if you want just a good car that's you know not really gonna let you down people always go for a golf and i think that sort of maintains the same sort of perspective over the years really so yeah yeah they've, they've done pretty well so um okay so obviously as we said you've had a pretty interesting car history and so on so i think to sort of maybe wrap up what is it well actually have you owned is there a car i'm trying to think how do i phrase this is there anything that you haven't that you really want to own obviously i imagine it's quite a few but like maybe something that's next on your hit list yeah. that you have an itch to scratch like can you know um, I'm intrigued. Yeah, first gen Boxster, um, I really fancy because they're seriously cheap. They're such good value now. Um, if you can look past the absolutely horrendous interior, um, especially if you get one in that horrible baby diarrhea colour. Um, yeah, but they're fantastic. Um, or possibly a first gen three liter Z4. Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, because I, I, funny you should mention it, because uh, well, last year I was looking at Pensier Z4, um, and yeah, that, that's a good alternative. I think I'd rather the but that's just the They're personal a lot nicer I think inside. I just prefer the way they look. Um, 
you know, for the for boxer money, you're going to be you know, it tends to be a sort of more lowly spec Z4. Um, yes, but I've, even the I drove a two liter first gen Z4, and even that was a great car to drive. Um, mm-hmm. It was very much you were you were using all of it most of the time um, because mm-hmm. it's sort of not much more power than an MX5, and it's a bit heavier than an MX5. So it was quite similar in terms of performance. Um, but it meant mm-hmm. you could just rev it and thrash it, and it was great fun. No, I was going to say, I like, I do I do get that. But then it comes to the point where I think, as you mentioned with the Z4, I think you're just going to have to go for the top end three yeah. liter. Yeah, VC. I think that's I think that's the engine that belongs because if you buy the lower end one, you may as well just buy an MX5. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, um, and also so... I'm an absolute tart, and I can't stand not having the top spec. <laughs> Yeah, oh, well, true. You've got it. Well, as as your Volvo is currently um, currently shows. I didn't even. I do you know what? I remember when you first got it, and I was like, "Is that the two and a half liter?" You're like, no, don't be silly. It's the three liter. I was like, do you know what? Because they're they're not very common. Uh, the nine sixty is no, it? very rare. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was going to say. So I I sort of looked and I was thinking, God, it looks like a from a distance. It's like a bit like an eight fifty. I mean, they kind of looked without. You know, they kind of look similar Volvos yeah, at that period. Yeah. You know, they just sort of they just put them in a photocopier yeah. and just sort of gradually scaled them up. A yeah. Bit. Um. So, oh right, that's really interesting. So, Boxster or convertible, you know, something like that, a Z4 or a Boxster that's on is the probably list. next to hit this. Um, I'd like another Abarth as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, there's a lot of ropey ones out there. You've got to be careful with those. Um, a yeah. Lot of them have been absolutely thrashed, and a lot of them have been modified as well. Um, mm-hmm. So be careful with it. But um, otherwise, always on the lookout for Land Rovers, but they're getting more and more expensive. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, think I, I, I do like my two-seater convertible. So I think, uh, yeah, Boxster or Z4. I don't blame you. I mean, especially at the moment, while the weather is absolutely scorching, you yeah. know, uh, a, a convertible bit of sunshine is uh, is the perfect recipe. I'm definitely gonna going to have to get get back on the convertible scene because oh, yeah. i absolutely loved my mx5 when i had it for a bit it, it was it was a magical car it just doesn't matter the, the the speed and the numbers are just completely irrelevant oh, completely. especially when the roof comes comes down it's just it's the complete sensation of the speed and and uh and so on so um yeah it's um it's a uh, pretty pretty decent um well i suppose you know we're, 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 we've been droning on a little bit now and uh talking about your in, very interesting car hit well i find it interesting anyway uh because I, I don't think i've met anybody really who's owned as many cars not at our age um as you have really um so i mean i suppose it's, it's a good, sort of a good time to sort of wrap it up really but um i was just gonna say you know like thank thank you so much for coming on giving up your time no, to you. uh, pleasure. to it's chat to, to chat cars um we're definitely gonna obviously have to meet up in the near future when when things do sort of well, if when I'm sure they will, it's just a question of how long Definitely. get back to normal a little bit. Because um, I think got to share the car community love. You know, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't think. I mean, I know you work with a lot of them, but I don't think there's enough of them out there. Uh, well, we'll, have, are, to, we'll have to go for a meet at Caffeine Machine or something like that. Absolutely, absolutely, no, for sure. Um, but like I say, Adam, thank you very much for coming on. No problem. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Nice to catch up. And uh, yes, I'll obviously let you know when this um, when when this is broadcasted. And if you feel the need to listen back to it, you 
you're more than welcome to. <laughs> um, but like, thank, thanks for your time and everything, and uh, we'll chat again soon. Great. Thanks very much, Sash. All right, then. Cheers for joining, everyone. Cheers. Speak to you soon, Adam. Bye. Ta-ra. Bye. Bye.